Luke chapter 11, as we're continuing our series that we're calling Step of Faith, a series from the Gospel of Luke. Daniel, did I get all them announcements in? Is that all? I'm good. Hunter, I'm getting a, I'm getting a thumbs up from the doctor back there. Parker says I'm good. Melanie will not ever say that I've done good. So, all right. Step of faith. What we've been doing and what we're doing today and what we're going to continue to do in the weeks ahead is we've been looking at what it means to take a step of transforming faith. Not just a step of faith, but a step of transforming faith that actually changes lives. Because that's what happens when we take a step of faith with Jesus is He begins to change us and He begins to transform our lives. And I believe if we're all honest today, and we might as well be, right? We're at church. If we're all honest today, there are changes that we would all like to make to our lives. Um, If that wasn't the case, then why have a mirror in your bathroom, right? I mean, you want to change the way you look from the time you get up until you go out and present yourself to other people. At least we would hope that you would, right? Um, But anyway, we all want to make better, do better, be better, and and all those things in our life. And, and, you know, this time uh, of year, many people have made New Year's resolutions, Uh, And the reason that they do is why? Because they want some area of their life to be a little better. They want to do a little better. They want maybe some area of their life to change. And so they make a New Year's resolution to, you know, get that change going. Because people are hardly ever really satisfied with their current life and how they're actually living that life. Some of you may be like me, and I've just quit making New Year's resolutions altogether. I've just stopped. I've given up. I I don't need anything else to make me feel guilty about failing at, right? And so I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to make New Year's resolutions. But, you know, it's not just about physical changes uh, we want to make in our lives, but we all, I believe, we all would like to make some spiritual changes in our lives. We would all like to be a little better at following Christ. We would like to be a little more committed to spiritual things in our lives. And I believe for the most part that most of us would like to see changes in our spiritual lives. I've never heard anyone say, well, I'm doing as much for God as I can possibly do. And, you know, I just, I just can't do any more or get any, you know, closer to God. I've never heard anyone say that. We all want to do better. But the truth of the matter is this. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to do those things, and it's hard because there are spiritual forces at work in this world that don't want you to do better. There's spiritual forces that are at work in this world, and there are spiritual attacks on our lives, on our families, on our community, and and all over this world from the enemy. It's real. It's a thing. It's not just something that is made up. And in our text that we're going to be looking at today, Jesus is going to address these attacks 
And, and we're going to learn that without His power in our lives, any attempt by us to change is doomed to fail. And we won't be successful. So let's pick it up this morning, starting at verse 14 here in Luke chapter 11. Verse 14, God's Word says this, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. And just to pause here a second so that we understand and understand the context of this. Again, Jesus is talking to religious leaders. He's talking to the Pharisees here. And by them saying, they've witnessed, you know, this miracle. They've witnessed another miracle by Jesus. And by them saying that what he was doing was by the power of Bezabel. Bezabel, I can't say it. Uh, the devil, uh, was an attack on Jesus and who Jesus was, right? It, it was an attack on him. It was obvious here that Jesus had supernatural powers. He'd been performing miracles. He'd been healing the sick. He'd been doing all of these things we've been looking at, right? But these religious leaders, they didn't want to acknowledge that this power that Jesus was demonstrating came from God. And so they began to not only plant this seed of doubt in other people's minds by saying uh, that, you know, Jesus' power came from Satan, but they also were saying these things as an attack on Jesus to say, you know what, we do not believe that you are from God. Now, let's skip down to verse 17. Jesus knew their thoughts. And by the way, I don't know if you've noticed how many times this phrase occurs in the Gospel of Luke. It's another hint by Luke that he's just telling us that Jesus is God and he always knew what everyone was thinking. And oh, by the way, our God is still the same. He knows what we're thinking and what we're thinking about. Jesus knew their thoughts, so he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? Now, I'll be honest with you, this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today is difficult. All right, it's kind of hard to understand. Now, it may not be for you. I am probably the least educated person in the room. All right, And so I struggle with some of these things that we read uh, in Scripture. And, and, and so luckily, you know, there are scholars that are much wiser than me. Um, there are people like you that are much wiser than me that I can go to and, and figure some of this out. So I'm just going to be honest with you today. The text we're looking at, all of it is a little hard to understand and a little confusing. But what Jesus is basically saying here. You know, okay, I, I know he, he knows what they're thinking. He knows what they're saying about him. And so he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to counter what you're saying and thinking with some common sense. <laughs> That's why I won't follow Jesus, folks. He's got some common sense. Brother Jim used to say, just because God saves them don't mean he gives them good sense. Jesus has got good sense. He's got some common sense, and I I love that about him. 
I'm following the guy that's got common sense. And he's saying, you know what, guys? It doesn't, what you're saying really doesn't make a lot of sense. Because here's the deal. Why would Satan give me power to be able to defeat his power? That's what he's saying here. Why would Satan give me the power to be able to cast out a demon out of this man that was his demon and his power? Why, why, would, the, why would Satan give me that kind of power? Like, like this demon that possessed that man, it, it was evil. It was a demon of Satan. So why would Satan give Jesus the power to defeat his own demon? You see, friends, this is a battle. It always has been, and it still is, and it always will be until the end, a battle between good and evil. All right, this battle between good and evil, and don't miss this, good will always, regardless of what it may look like, good will always overcome evil. It will always overcome evil in this world because the power of God is greater than the power of the enemy. Always. And so what they're doing here is they're just making up objections, right, to what Jesus is doing. Why? Because they don't like it. He continues in verse 20. But if I drive out demons, look at what he says, by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, again, he's talking to these Pharisees, these religious leaders And oh, they take great pride in the fact that they know the Word of God, the Old Testament Scriptures. And so, by Jesus using this term here, finger of God, it would have rang in their ears and would have been extremely familiar to them because this phrase, finger of God, was a phrase that was used by the Egyptian sorcerers or Egyptian magicians that were trying to duplicate the uh, miracles and the things that Moses did during the Exodus. All right? So Moses would perform some supernatural thing that, you know, God would give him the power to do to, pro- to prove that, you know, God has this power. And these sorcerers and these magicians, they would be tasked with trying to match this. And to some degree, some of the things they could through, you know, wh- whatever you know, tricks like magicians do or whatever. I don't know that I understand all that. I watch them cut people in half and put them back together, and I'm like, I don't know how they do that, right? I cut a dog in half one time, and I couldn't get him back together. But I'm kidding. I did that to a cat once, but never a dog. And I'm kidding. Y'all know that. And this is on the Internet, so I can never run for political office again. Um, but anyway, so these Egyptian sorcerers, they, uh, Moses would do these supernatural things, and it came to a point where they said, we can't do that. That's the finger of God at work through Moses' life. And that's how they described these supernatural acts that were being done by Moses. They would say, the finger, uh, uh, call it the finger of God. And Jesus is saying here... <laughs> Even if the pagan sorcerers know the finger of God when they saw it, Jesus is saying here that if the finger of God is doing these supernatural things right now that they're witnessing and that they're experiencing through Jesus, 
then he must be of God, and the kingdom of God is present with him. Okay, now just in case you've dozed off or you've not been paying attention, this is where I want you to start paying attention. Okay, wake up. Uh, I know I told you to pick your phones up earlier. That was a mistake. Uh, Some of you have been on Facebook ever since you text taxes to um, the radio station number we gave you earlier. Um, All right, so just in case you've dozed off, listen. Verse 21, I want you to start paying attention now. Because Jesus says this. When a strong man... Fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me. Now again, I know it's, it was kind of hard for me to grasp and understand, but in this parable, let's, let's understand what Jesus is saying here, all right? Who is the strong man, fully armed, that's guarding his own house? Who do you think that is? There's no wrong answers, but there's only one right answer. Satan. Satan is the strong man. That's who Jesus is talking about here, okay? So we need to understand that in context of this parable that Jesus is sharing here. Strong man is Satan. And so if the strong man is Satan, who is the stronger man? Okay, it's Jesus. Jesus is the stronger man that overpowers Satan and takes away his possessions. This is important. In this parable, who are you? The possessions. All right? We're the possessions. You're the property That's being talked about here in the parable. First owned by the strong man. But if you've taken this step of transforming faith with Jesus Christ. Then you have been saved and you have been claimed by the stronger man. Alright, you're now his possession. And here's the deal, don't miss this. You are going to belong to one or the other. You're going to belong to one or the other. And you can't be free from the strong man until you are completely under control of the stronger man. Now this is important. And it may have been kind of hard to understand if you just read through it in the the past. But I'm here to tell you this is a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture And Jesus is telling it to who? These people that were so very religious and thought they had it all together and they were good. And Jesus is saying, well, now wait just a minute. Because here's the deal. You can't be free from the strong man until you are under the absolute control of the stronger man. Being neutral is not an option. Straddling the fence is not an option. Being lukewarm is not an option. You're under the control of one or the other. 
And so if you are not actively taking steps of transforming faith and serving our Lord and Savior, then you're not fully under His control. And if you're not fully under His control, then you are under the control of someone else. And there's only two options, the strong man and the stronger man. And Jesus says this, Whoever is not with me is against me. And friends, that's a very strong warning, not only to them, but to us as well. But let's continue because Jesus is going to make this point even more clear as we go through. Verse 24, Jesus said, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house that I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. And again, we have to consider, who's he talking to? Right? He's talking to these religious leaders who were all about what? Their rules. They had all these rules. And boy, it was so important. They worked so hard to keep these rules, to check these boxes to show up at these times and do these certain things because this is what people who follow God do. All this stuff. And so Jesus is basically explaining to him, to him here the result of that. The result of their religious rules and the result of their you know, practices. Sure, you can clean up your house. You can follow your list of rules. You can check these boxes. You can clean up your life. You can make changes to your life. And you can even try harder tomorrow than you tried today. You may even in your own power break a bad habit. You in your own power may get your addictions under control. You in your own power and your determination to try harder and be better, can get out of a bad relationship. You, in your own power, you can turn over a new leaf on January the 1st. You can do all that in your own power. Yes, you can. But unless the stronger man has taken control of your life. Well, let's look at what Jesus says about that. He, he tells us in verse 26. He says, then it goes. He's talking about the unclean spirit. He says, then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worst. Worst. Why do I keep putting a T on worst? Because that's the way I say it at home, isn't it? Um, the final condition of that person is worse than the first. They're, they're worse off than they were before. That's what he's saying here. These unclean spirits and these, these demons of Satan, they don't mind the cleanup. They don't mind you following the rules. They don't mind you checking the boxes. They don't mind you being determined to have a new you in the new year. But here's the deal. That ain't going to stop them from coming back and bringing all their buddies. <laughs> That's not going to stop them from returning. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Listen, religion 
And self-improvement can be done without Jesus. It can be done without Jesus. Uh, And you know what? When that happens, though, when these things are done without Jesus, what he's saying here is that only opens the door to things that are more dangerous and even more powerful, seven times worse than it was to begin with. Because when you clean up your house or your life in your own power, think about what happens. I did that. I overcame that addiction. I overcame that problem. And we become what? Proud. And then we start looking at other people. Well, you know what? I kicked the habit. If they were a little better, they'd be able to kick the habit too. And so we become not only proud, but we become judgmental. And we start to sound a whole lot like a Pharisee. And that opens the door to pride and being judgmental toward other people. Friends, Jesus is the only one who can clean you up. Jesus is the only one who can free you from your demons and make you whole again and take you as his possession. So here's the question in light of all that. What does this teach us today about how to change our lives? What can we learn from this? What does this teach us today about how to change our lives? Because we establish that none of us are probably completely satisfied with who we are. So what does this teach us about making changes to our lives? Well, the first thing is this, is that we must take a step of faith towards total surrender. Towards total surrender. Verse 23, Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. And this speaks to a total commitment and total surrender to Jesus. And until you are under complete control and the full possession of the stronger man's authority, then you are powerless to fight the control of the strong man who is Satan. New Year's resolutions determination, promises to do better. All that won't do it. You're either all in with Jesus, completely under His control, or you're still with Satan. And some of you just bristled up. Oh, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I may not be perfect. I I may not be totally all in. I may not be a crazy fanatic about it. (laughs) But I don't belong to Satan. If you're not under the full control of Jesus Christ, oh yes you are. To walk with Jesus means that you have surrendered 100% of who you are to Him. See, it's easy to call Him Savior. And it's easy to say that He's Lord. But we need to understand 
what Lord means. And Lord means he is in complete and absolute control of our lives. He's Lord over us. Christianity, friends, is not about self-improvement. It's about surrender. Following Christ is not about just trying to get better, do better. It's about surrender. And so the question today is this. Are you fully surrendered? This used to be a whole lot easier when I was a kid. I was thinking about this earlier this morning. Matter of fact, during the first service, as I was talking about this, I thought, you know, there's a reason that the altars used to be full all the time when I was a kid. It's because they sang, I surrender all every Sunday. (laughs) And I don't believe there's a more convicting song that's ever been written than that song right there. It's hard to sing, I surrender all, when you've only surrendered a little bit. So the question is today, are you fully surrendered? In light of what Jesus is saying here. C.S. Lewis, I believe, says this a whole lot better than I ever could say it. I want, you, I want you to listen to his analogy in talking about this. It says, we come to Jesus like people whose house is in disrepair. It's dirty, smelly, the carpet is worn out, and we hear that he can fix it, so we ask him to help us clean it up. And he does. But then he starts to knock down the walls. And you say, wait a minute, Jesus, I I just wanted to clean up. I just wanted some help tidying up my room, my marriage, my habits, my career, my kids, etc. And Jesus says, I can help you with all those things. But to get that help, the house has to belong entirely to me. I don't come just as your divine servant. To help you become a more and better you. I come as the owner. I'm not here to take requests. I'm here to take over. Wow. And so if you want to belong to Jesus. The only way to belong to him is total surrender. To say all that I am. All that I have. And all that I ever hope to be, I now and forever offer to you. We're not here to turn over a new leaf. We come in surrender to receive a new life. And that brings us to the second thing and final. Some of you will be glad to know. Second thing that we learn about how to change our lives, and not just our lives, but other lives as well. To take a step of faith in prayer. We touched on this last week. This is so important. We talk about it it a lot because it's a big deal. Second way to access this divine power is through prayer. Earnest, sincere, unrelenting prayer. We didn't read it, but the passage of Scripture right before this The first 13 verses of chapter 11 here, Jesus is teaching about prayer. He's talking about the power of prayer. And then he concludes his teaching about prayer 
by saying this in verse 13. If you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And then Jesus goes from that right into this story about demons. It's no accident. It's no accident that they're side by side, linked together in the same sermon that He's preaching. Don't miss this. If you want the power of the stronger man in your life, if you want the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, you get it not only through giving Him full control and surrendering your life, but also through prayer, through desperate and unrelenting and sincere prayer. Jesus reinforced this in another place in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 9, a man brought his son to the disciples. And this man's son had been afflicted with a demon as well, and it was causing him to have convulsions. And so he hears about these followers of of Jesus, these disciples. He brings his son to his disciples and asks them to heal him. The disciples can't heal him. They They can't get rid of this demon that's possessed this boy. And so the disciples take this father and this son, and they take him to Jesus. And Jesus heals him. Jesus delivers him from this demon, and the the convulsions cease. And after it was all over and everybody had gone away, the disciples said, Hey, Jesus, how come we couldn't drive out that demon? How come we couldn't do that? And Jesus responded to them there in, in, in verse 25, in verse 29, He says, this kind can come out only by prayer. Folks, I don't think we understand the power of prayer. I don't think we understand the power that connects us to God through our prayer life. You want to make a difference in somebody else's life today? We're given the key right here. God unleashes the power of the stronger man through us, into the lives of others, through prayer. Desperate and unrelenting prayer. Listen, what your friends need, what your family members need, or your kids need, is not us trying to clean them up. They don't need us trying to fix them. It takes the power and the presence of a stronger man to do that, and that only comes through prayer. Do we want the stronger man to make a difference in our community? One person does, thank God, there's one. Do we want the stronger man to make a difference in our community? Do you want the stronger man to make a difference in your family? Do you want the finger of God to work in our community? Do you want the finger of God to work in your family? <laughs> Again, look at, look at verse 22. It says, but when someone stronger attacks and overpowers powers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. I, I love this. I, I love this. Don't miss this. This kind of made me just kind of want to bow out my chest and go, yeah, you know. My mom always said, you walk like you're cocky, <laughs> you know. I'm, well, it could have something to do with these steel rods that I have in my back. I don't know. But when I read this and I think about this, I just kind of want to bow up and go, yeah. 
Don't miss this. Once we have personally surrendered our lives to God, and we've taken our own step of transforming faith in our own lives, and we're where we need to be, and we totally surrendered and say, God, it's all yours, everything that I am, everything that I have, everything that I ever will be, it's all yours, I commit it to you. I'm going to trust you with it. When that happens, God calls us, all right? He, he calls us to bring this power of the stronger man into other people's lives. And, and we do that through prayer. We, we do it through prayer. And Jesus says here that when the stronger man takes over, he divides up his plunder. What, what is Satan's plunder? Huh? It's the souls of, of people around us that he's holding captive. That's his plunder. That's his possessions. It, it's the souls of our family members that don't know him. It, it, it's the, the, the souls of our friends and some of your kids. Friends, some, some of our friends are headed toward destruction. Some of your family members are headed toward destruction. You've got friends that are in horrible marriages that are falling apart. You may be in a horrible marriage that's falling apart. And they are being held captive by the strong man. But we must bring them to the power of the stronger man. That's what we've been called to do once we've taken this step of faith in our own lives. And He has transformed us. And He has changed us. He has called us, take this power to those around you that are being held captive. Because greater is the power in you than the one that has them held captive. And we're going to take Him, and we're going to take His plunder, we're going to take His possessions and all that He has, and we're going to claim Him for the glory of God. And oh, by the way, when I come back, He's going to get what's His, right? Amen? Yeah, you can clap. Man, we ought to be proud that God has called us and given us that power. Church, Jesus wants to do more in your life than to just help you struggle through life. <laughs> He wants to use you. He knows me. And he wants to use me to plunder Satan's possessions. To plunder Satan's kingdom. Friends, he didn't just come to give you peace like a river in your soul. He didn't just come so that you would have warm fuzzies on a cold night. He wants to use you to plunder the works and the possession of the enemy around you. Wow. And so to those of you who know someone who is afflicted either physically or emotionally or spiritually by the enemy... This promise right here is for you today. You take the power to them. You take the power to them. And you do that through prayer for them. You can do for them what they cannot do for themselves yet. But you can. He's ready to use you. And it all begins with fervent, earnest, and unrelenting prayer. So as we close this morning... I can't help but think that there's someone either here or someone watching online today that would admit that maybe, just maybe, you've not been a totally 
committed follower of Jesus Christ. And you've never really thought about it. But someone who is not totally committed to Jesus is still committed to Satan. It's either I surrender all or I've actually never surrendered anything. And if that's you here today and you know it, the first step of faith for you to take today is to totally 100% surrender yourself to Jesus Christ. Some of you have been straddling the spiritual fence for far too long. When in all reality, you're on the wrong side of the fence altogether. And you need the stronger man to come in and do a work in your heart and your life so that you can experience this kind of change in your life that only comes through Jesus Christ. Many of you here today that have done that, and I want you to think about today, who is it that you've been trying to change? Who is it that you've been trying to fix? Who is it that you've been trying to get them to come around? Hoping that they would change. But the reality is this. It's never going to happen. Until you connect them to the power of the stronger man. And you're going to do that. By lifting them to the throne. Of the stronger man. In prayer. You can connect them to that power. Well, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were so discouraged. And I couldn't help but think, God's doing more than we see. Just because we don't see it, don't mean He's not at work. Just because we don't see it, doesn't mean that we're not doing it right. You keep praying. You keep lifting. You keep bringing them before Jesus. Because what you're doing every time you do is you're connecting them to the power of the stronger man. Now the decision will be theirs just like it's yours today whether they totally commit or not. The reality is this. Nobody ever going to change Nobody's ever going to commit to Christ if someone isn't interceding for them on their behalf. That's on us. That's what we've been called to do. And so I want to ask you this morning as we close in prayer, we're going to invite you to come this morning as we close in prayer together. But I just want to ask you this today. Who are you praying for? You've been hoping, you've been trying, been doing all this. Who do you need to pray for? Who do you need to pray for? Like we talked about last week, it may be hard work, it may be slow going, it may be a struggle to 
keep carrying them <laughs> like they carried that paralyzed man up on that roof last week and they tore the roof off the place. Maybe frustrating. But friends, we've been called to bring them to Jesus and connect them to the stronger man. Who is it that you need to make that connection for today? We're all going to close with a word of prayer. And if you would like to come this morning and bring that person to these altars, I invite you to come right now as we close. Or maybe you would just like to come and bring a situation, something you've been dealing with, maybe a family situation going on. I, I don't know. Friends, I know this, though. The stronger man is waiting on us today to reach out to him. So as we close, let's all link our hearts together and gather in the room of the stronger man. God, your word is just so extremely powerful. And it is active and alive and it's working and it, boy, it, it does what needs to be done. And I thank you for doing in my life what needed to be done. And God, I pray this morning if there be even one person either in this room or watching online today or maybe 10 years from now will be listening to this. And they haven't totally and fully committed and surrendered their life to you. That today would be that day. That they heard you speak through your word today saying partial obedience is nothing more than disobedience. I pray that they would hear and accept and understand the warning that you were sharing with these religious people thousands of years ago. But boy, that warning is just as real and just as powerful for us today as it was them. God, it's really not about the things we do or the things that we try to do. It's about whose we are. So God, I just pray that if there is any part of my life that is not completely under your control today, that today would be the day that you would knock down that wall and take full and absolute ownership. And I pray that for others here today that desire the same thing in their life. And so I thank you for what you're doing. God, I also thank you for knowing me and knowing what a failure I've been in my life and saving me and giving me the power and the call to take back your possessions. I, I don't think I'm out of line today by saying, God, we, we claim some of Satan's plunder today. 
some of our friends and some of our, our, our family members, maybe a husband, maybe a wife, maybe a child. Uh, I don't know, but God, I think it's okay today for us in the power that we live in, the power of the stronger man, to say, I'm, I'm claiming them back in the name of Jesus. I'm going to claim them right now in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to bring them to the feet of Jesus until I see them totally surrender to Jesus. God, we claim them today in your name. I claim those that uh, these people have come forward to pray for. God, I, I claim those that are, are on our hearts and on our minds this morning, and, and, and you know who they are today, and you know the burden that we care for them. I had, had several people this past week come to me and, and share uh, to me this, this person that they're, they're concerned about and they're praying for. And, and so, God, I join with them today uh, as we bring them to the throne of the stronger man, and we claim them, we claim their souls in the name of Jesus. And, God, we extend that power. That, that, that flows through us to them today, God. And I know and I understand that they have to accept it. But God, today we're connecting them to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And we know that you're going to do a work. And they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other. And we may never know it. We may never see it. But God, we can trust you. You are a good God. We may not always see good things around us, but you're a good God. We may not can trust the people around us, but we can trust you. Your word is true. Your promises, God, will not be broken, have never been broken, and we stand on them today. I thank you for being a loving God. I thank you for being a powerful God. That uh, the, the power is greater than our enemy. God, I, I just needed to be reminded of that. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. God, again, I thank you for what you're doing. But also, I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do. I look forward to seeing what you do in the days ahead through the lives of people who are faithful and committed to you and your work to build the kingdom here on this earth. Thank you for showing us that kind of love and trusting us with the mission, trusting us with the kingdom. Thank you for that. I love you. I love this church. I love these people. Thank you for letting me work with them to build the kingdom here in this community. We give you all the praise and all the glory that you so rightly deserve. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you more than you'll ever know.